0: This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode two How to Stay Spiritually Safe Amid Turmoil. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepherd, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place together let's stand hello my friends welcome back to episode two of the stand with lynette podcast and if you're here for episode two I'm assuming you listened to episode one and you liked or at least resonated a little bit with some of the things that I said and you're back and you want to learn more and I'm so happy to have you here. Now today's topic, I'm going to throw this out from the very beginning, could be a little controversial and it's funny because I never thought I would see the day when this topic would become controversial. But here we are in a world where everything is controversial, right? In the past year or two, this has joined the controversy. And it's very fundamental to what we believe as members of the church, which is interesting because it's become controversial. But as covenant women who stand, we cannot avoid this topic because it's absolutely foundational to what we believe as members of this church. My goal for today, and always, every time I record a podcast, is to teach truth with boldness. I'm not going to apologize for what I say, but I also want to approach it with compassion and grace because I know people are struggling and that is okay. My, my goal is to strengthen those who want to believe and who want to stay faithful and who want to follow no matter where they are in the covenant path. There are people whose faith is unwavering, and there are also people who are struggling to stay on the path for a variety of reasons, but they want to fan the flame of their faith until it becomes a mighty and sustaining fire. So whether you're struggling with your faith or not, if you have a desire to believe, I think you will find strength here. But we have to dive into tough topics because the world is full of detours and deceptions, and it is getting more difficult to discern truth from error. To safely navigate the maze of compounding challenges, we have to bring them into the light. And at times, bringing those things into the light might feel a little uncomfortable. But we all have to face demons in our lives. We're all going to have to face a demon or two as we work our way back to the savior. We will all have to decide where we stand and why we stand in that place. We will have to embrace whatever it is we choose to embrace with confidence and with clarity, lest we be swept away by the intensifying current. I want you to know up front that my intent is to lift people to higher ground not so we can look down on others, but so we can lift them too. A rising tide lifts all ships. And I believe that we as covenant women are the tide. Together, we can rise above the darkness and confusion of our day and stand firmly in the light. And when we do so, we will invite others to follow and they will want to follow. They will want to be in the light with us. Having said that, Today's topic is bound to strike a nerve with some people because of what is happening in the world and in the church. It has become controversial because many people are struggling to reconcile their personal beliefs with this particular aspect of their faith. So if you hear something that strikes a nerve, I invite you to keep an open mind and keep listening. Hold space for the discomfort, whatever it is, and get insanely curious. What can you learn here today that could potentially help you along your journey back to Jesus? I'm going to start off introducing this topic by telling you a story of something that happened to me last summer when I was in Hawaii with my husband. We were visiting the Big Island and in the town of Kona, right off the main street, there in Kona up next to the the ocean, there's this little beach. It's very small and it has beautiful white sand and my husband and I decided to go to this beach. I love the beach. It's one of my favorite places to be, but I don't love to be in the water. So we were just enjoying the sand and the sunshine and the breeze. Just kind of laying out there on the beach. That's like my favorite thing to do on vacation. And while we were there, every few minutes, the lifeguard said the same thing. He kept repeating himself over and over and over. And this is what he said. This is the third most dangerous beach in Hawaii. The water may look calm and inviting, but the waves are stronger than they look. We have injuries here every day. Broken bones, dislocated joints, and worse. Do not try to jump over the waves. Dive into them with force. If the waves throw you on the sand, it feels like falling on concrete. It doesn't feel good. Please be careful. Over and over and over every few minutes, the lifeguard would say these words. Again, I don't really like to be in the water. And I especially didn't really want to be in the water after hearing this warning repeatedly from the lifeguards. But after being there for a while, it got kind of hot. And so my husband and I decided that we were going to attempt the water. And we decided based on the warnings from the lifeguard that it was going to be best to get out past the breaking waves. So we did that and the waves weren't too big. They weren't too strong. They allowed us to get out there. And from that vantage point, it was just kind of a gentle ride. We could still touch the bottom, but the waves would kind of come and we would ride the waves a little bit, but it was gentle and calm until out of nowhere, this monster wave is barreling towards us. And I could tell that this one was going to hit us. The other ones up to that point had broken much farther, closer to the shore, but this one was going to hit us. And I was replaying. What I heard from the lifeguard, this is most, third most dangerous beach in Hawaii. These waves are dangerous. Dive into them with force. So I tried to dive into the wave and it must not have been with enough force because this wave threw me around like a rag doll. It threw me against the sand and dragged me across the bottom. I was stuck under the current. I was inches from the top of the water, but it felt forever out of reach. I could see it, but I was pinned under this current and I was not going to get out. I couldn't get air. I was willing myself not to panic. I knew that eventually the wave would let up and I would be able to stand. That's exactly what happened. The wave finally let up and I was able to stand. But while I was trying to catch my bearings and before I even had a second to turn my back and face the ocean again, I was kind of facing away from it. I wasn't watching because I just was trying to get air. But in that time, another monster wave threw me back on the sand, back under the water, inches from some large lava rocks that were just below the surface and again dragged me. The current was so strong. I was wearing a pair of board shorts and the current took those shorts off of my body. Don't worry, I had a swimsuit underneath, but ripped my shorts off. I won't tell you what happened to the rest of my swimsuit, but you can just imagine. Again, I was willing myself not to panic because I couldn't get air. Finally, mercifully, the wave let up and I was able to get out of the water and I didn't go back in. Same thing happened to my husband. He was okay, luckily, but as soon as we stood up, that lifeguard repeated his warning again. And this time he added, watch out for the lava rocks right in front of the lifeguard stand." Well, yeah, the ones that I almost hit with my head, there they were. So I gained a respect for the ocean, the power of the ocean. And this lifeguard drove some things home for me. He goes to this beach every day. He knows the waves. He knows they are dangerous. He knows sometimes they don't look dangerous, but they are more dangerous than they are. And he warns the people over and over and over about the strength and the danger of the waves. And while I was out there in the water far, you know, like out further beyond the breaking waves, I was like, what's the big deal? It's so nice out here. The water is fine. The current is not a problem. Until out of nowhere, we were bombarded by some seriously dangerous waves that could have seriously hurt us. Again, the lifeguard on the shore knew what he was talking about. And this leads right in to a song, a primary song, that when I was in primary all those years ago, I did not like this song. I thought it was the worst primary song ever because it was so repetitive and it said the same thing over and over and over for like 20 verses. Maybe you know the words. Follow the prophet. Follow the prophet. You know it, right? Follow the prophet. Don't go astray. Follow the prophet. Follow the prophet. Follow the prophet. He knows the way. Repeated five gazillion times. Well, after my experience on the beach and after watching what's happening in the world, what has happened in the world over the past couple of years, I think maybe this is exactly what we need to follow the prophet. But within the last year or so, there has been a flood of hate directed at him and other church leaders for a variety of reasons, and most of it has come from within the church. I've made the mistake on more than one occasion of reading social media comments about these men, about these leaders whom I love and respect. And in doing so, I was overwhelmed with sadness as I read hundreds of comments that included cries of fallen prophets and a variety of other hurtful and shaming words. Some people in those comments defended the prophet or whatever leader was being attacked at the moment. And there were others who basically said, I respect you, President Nelson, or again, whatever leader was being attacked, but this particular counsel is not for me. Now, I am not here to debate the validity of whatever controversial prophetic statements or counsel has been given, but I am here to ask this question. Why has the Lord given us prophets? if not to safely guide us through the confusion and chaos of these latter days. There has been more confusion and chaos in the last couple of years than I think we have ever experienced in our lifetimes. So why do we have a prophet, if not to guide us through those confusing times, these confusing times in which we live? In the Articles of Faith, which is the fundamentals, the very basics of our beliefs as members of the church. It states that we believe in the same organization that existed in the primitive church, namely apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and so forth. It also states that we believe a man must be called of God by prophecy and by the laying on of hands by those who are in authority to preach the gospel and administer in the ordinances thereof. We know these words. They are familiar. Many of us probably memorized to them in primary, but basically what this is saying is that we believe God calls men through prophecy to lead his church here on the earth, and therefore the prophets and apostles and really every other church leader, they are called of God. They are his chosen servants. In Doctrine and Covenants, Section 68, verses 3 through 4, the Lord, who was referring to his authorized prophets and apostles, said, they shall speak as they are moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and whatsoever they speak when moved upon by the Holy Ghost shall be scripture, shall be the will of the Lord, shall be the mind of the Lord, shall be the word of the Lord, shall be the voice of the Lord, and the power of God unto salvation. In other words, the prophet speaks for the Lord. And this doctrine sets us apart from any other Christian denomination. I don't know of another Christian denomination who believes in modern prophets, who believes those prophets speak with and for God. I believe this is such a blessing. It is so comforting to me to know that the Lord hasn't left us to try to figure things out on our own. With all the confusion and chaos that is happening in the world, he's guiding us through modern-day prophets, and every six months we raise our hands to sustain them. But what does it even mean? What does it mean when we raise our hands to the square and sustain our church leaders? 26 years before he became the president of the church, then Elder George Albert Smith said this, The obligation that we make when we raise our hands is a most sacred one. It does not mean that we will go quietly on our way and be willing that the prophet of the Lord shall direct this work, but it means that we will stand behind him. We will pray for him. We will defend his good name, and we will strive to carry out his instructions as the Lord shall direct, close quotes. So sustaining our church leaders requires more action than simply raising our hands twice a year. It requires us to stand behind those leaders, to defend them, and to follow their counsel as we would follow the Lord himself. Now, it is easy to follow the prophet when we agree with everything that he says, but there will be times for each of us when prophetic counsel seems to conflict with our deeply held personal political or social beliefs. There will be times when When we wonder if the prophet truly speaks for the Lord on a particular issue, when his counsel does not seem to make sense, there will be times, maybe, perhaps, where we are tempted to disregard prophetic counsel because it doesn't seem to apply to us. So what then? What then? When we don't agree with what he says, when it seems to conflict with our beliefs, when it seems not to apply to us, what do we do then? In April 1997 General Conference, Henry B. Eyring said this. This talk is fabulous and so timely, by the way, even though it was given... Back in 1997. It's so good. I'm going to link it in the show notes so you can read it for yourself. But he said, Sometimes we will receive counsel that we cannot understand or that does not seem to apply to us, even after careful prayer and thought. Don't disregard the counsel, but hold it close. If someone you trusted handed you what appeared to be nothing more than sand with the promise that it contained gold, you might wisely hold it in your hand for a while, shaking it gently. Every time I have done that, with counsel from a prophet, after a time, the gold flakes have begun to appear, and I have been grateful, close quote. Isn't that beautiful imagery? Hold the counsel in your hand like sand, sift through it like you're looking for gold, and with patience, as we seek, those gold flakes, they will appear. After one of President Nelson's announcements last year, one woman reached out to me and she said, this has been the hardest week of my life. His counsel conflicted with her deeply held personal beliefs, but she also believed that he was a prophet. So where did that leave her? She's not alone in her struggle. I know many people who feel this way, who feel for whatever reason that they have good and justified reasons for not following the counsel of the prophet, and that is a struggle, and it is messy at best. I believe that each one of us will come to a point where we have to decide once and for all where we stand on this issue. We're going to have to dig deep and decide, do we believe that the Lord speaks through his prophets? Will we stand with the prophet even when We don't understand why he asks us to do certain things, or will we forge our own path? The Lord is aware of us. He is not blind to the treacherous conditions of the world in which we live. He knows what's going on. Nothing that's happening in the world is a surprise to him, and he is concerned about our spiritual safety. His concern is illustrated in Doctrine and Covenants section 43, verse 25, when he says, How oft have I called upon you by the mouth of my servants and by the ministering of angels and by mine own voice and by the voice of thunderings and by the voice of lightnings and by the voice of tempests and by the voice of earthquakes and great hailstorms and by the voice of famines and pestilences of every kind and by the great sound of a trump and by the voice of judgment and by the voice of mercy all the day long and by the voice of glory and honor and all the riches of eternal life and would have saved you with an everlasting salvation. Salvation, but ye would not. He is calling us to safety through the mouth of his servants, the prophets. Will we choose to listen and follow? And what will the consequences be either way? We will always have agency, we will always have the ability to choose. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 124, verse 45, the Lord tells us that. If my people will hearken unto my voice, and unto the voice of my servants, whom I have appointed to lead my people, behold, verily I say unto you, they shall not be moved out of their place. In other words, following the prophet will keep us safe. In the fall of 1838, tension in Missouri for the saints was at an all-time high. Many of the saints were living in scattered or isolated settlements, including a small settlement called Hans Mill. The prophet Joseph Smith called for all of the saints in those surrounding areas to gather to far west for their safety and protection. He specifically counseled Jacob Hahn, who was the founder of Hans Mill. A record of that time includes this. Quote, Brother Joseph had sent word by Hahn, who owned the mill, to inform the brethren who were living there to leave and come to Far West. But Mr. Hahn did not deliver the message. Close quote. Many of us know the story of Hahn's Mill and what happened there. And a mob came and they attacked the mill and many people died. It's called the Hahn's Mill Massacre. It was a tragedy. That could have been avoided had the people listened to the prophet and gathered in Far West. Later, the prophet Joseph Smith recorded this in his history. He said, Up to this day, God had given me wisdom to save the people who took counsel. None had ever been killed who had abided by my counsel. Close quote. Then the prophet recorded the sad truth that innocent lives could have been saved at Hans Mill had his counsel been received and followed. This experience illustrates how following the prophet's counsel could have saved the people at Hans Mill. There is another scriptural example of which we are all familiar about following the prophet to physical safety. And this is the story of Noah. Noah. In Moses chapter 8, we read about Noah and how Noah went out and taught the people and told them to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, If you do not do this, the floods will come in upon you. But then it says, Nevertheless, they hearkened not. They did not listen. He warned them of what was coming and they did not listen. We all know what happened. The floods came and the people who did not hearken to the voice of the prophet were all destroyed in the flood. Knowing the story, knowing what happened, we can look back and we can ask, why didn't those people follow? The prophet warned them. Why didn't they listen? They could have been saved, but instead they hearkened not. They probably watched Noah building this ark for years years and years while there was no rain in sight. And maybe they thought, he's crazy. He is old. He's out of touch with reality. We don't need to listen to him. We can just keep living our lives, eat, drink, and be merry. And then it was too late. We do not have the perspective that we have with Noah with our current prophet now. Because rather than looking back and seeing how Those people could have been saved had they followed the prophet. We are living this, our life, with our current prophet. We are living it in real time. And although we do not know many of the specifics of what is coming, prophecy tells us a little bit about how the story will end and some things that will happen in the days leading up to the end. We know that in the days leading up to the second coming, there will be turmoil there will be wars, rumors of wars, and the whole earth will be in commotion. We are definitely seeing some of this now. We know that deceptions will be numerous and some will call evil good and good evil. This is prophesied in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20, and we are seeing the fulfillment of this prophecy today. We know that it will become more difficult to discern between truth and error and that many hearts will fail. We also know from the story of the ten virgins that 50% of us will be unprepared when the bridegroom comes, when the Savior comes. How can we know that we will be among those whose lamps are trimmed and filled with oil, even if the Savior, the bridegroom, comes much later than expected? Follow the prophet. Don't go astray. Follow the prophet. He knows the way and repeat it five gazillion times just like the song. He is the watchman on the tower. What does he see that we cannot see? He is the lifeguard on the shore. What does he know about the strength of the waves and the power of the undertow and the rocks hiding just beneath the surface? What warnings is he giving us? How is he leading us to safety? We can receive personal revelation, this is true. But the Lord will do nothing except he revealeth his secrets to his servants, the prophets. We know that in Amos 3:7. That means that the Lord will reveal things to the prophet that he will not reveal directly to us. Because of that, we need him. His vantage point is different than ours. Because of his unique calling, he has the responsibility to teach truth regardless of of how it is received, regardless of how much hate mail he receives or how many nasty comments or people calling him a fallen prophet. If we choose to disregard his counsel and forge our own path, where will that path lead? Can we be sure of where that path will lead and if it will lead us to safety? But aren't prophets just men? Aren't they mortals who make mistakes? How can we know for sure that they speak for God when some of the things that they say don't seem to add up or make sense? Bottom line, it takes faith. It takes humility to admit that maybe we don't know everything and that maybe God knows things that we don't. And he's revealing some of those things to his servants, the prophet. Henry B. Arring said it this way. He said it takes faith to believe that the resurrected Lord is watching over the daily details of his kingdom. It takes faith to believe that he calls imperfect people into positions of trust. It takes faith to believe that he knows the people he calls perfectly, both their capabilities and their potential, and so makes no mistakes in his calls. Close quote. Faith is not always logical. It's believing in something that sometimes we cannot see. It is easy to see flaws in people, including our leaders, sometimes especially our leaders. And sometimes I think we hold them to an impossible standard of perfection simply because of the call that they have. I love how Jeffrey R. Holland explained this. He said, except in the case of his only perfect begotten son, imperfect people are all God has ever had to work with. That must be terribly frustrating to him, but he deals with it. So should we. And when you see imperfection, remember that the limitation is not in the divinity of the work. As one gifted writer has suggested, when the infinite fullness is poured forth, it is not the oil's fault if there is some loss because finite vessels can't quite contain it all. Those finite vessels include you and me, so be patient and kind and forgiving. And I will add to that, have faith in God and in the imperfect people who are doing their best to do his work. Will they make mistakes? Of course they will. Will God bless us for following them anyway? Absolutely. Harold B. Lee declared, You may not like what comes from the authority of the church. It may contradict your political views. It may contradict your social views. It may interfere with your social life. But if you listen to these things, as if from the mouth of the Lord himself, with patience and faith, the promise is that the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, yea, and the Lord God will disperse the power of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good and his name's glory. Close quote. Now, let's talk for a minute about the concept of blind obedience. I've heard this a lot in the last couple of years. Some people saying that following the prophet or being obedient to the Lord's commandments without questioning is blind obedience. Or in other words, if you obey and follow without questioning, you are either not thinking for yourself or you are not very intelligent or educated. President Boyd K. Packer, in April conference of 1983, addressed this. He said, Latter-day Saints are not obedient because they are compelled to be obedient. They are obedient because they know certain spiritual truths and have decided as an expression of their own individual agency to obey the commandments. We are not obedient because we are blind. We are obedient because we can see. Close quote. I love that. We are obedient because we can see. We are obedient because we know, we believe that God calls prophets, that he speaks through prophets, and because of that, we can safely follow them. He will not allow them to lead us astray. The choice of whether to follow the prophet is always going to be a personal one, and I believe it's going to get more difficult to follow in the future. It already is more difficult for us to To follow the prophet than it has been for others in days past, but how can we strengthen our desire to follow? It really boils down to gaining a personal witness of these four things as outlined by Henry B. Eyring. First, Jesus Christ is the head of the church in all the earth. Second, he leads his church today by speaking to men called as prophets, and he does it through revelation, Third, he gave revelation to his prophets long ago, still does, and will continue to do so. Fourth, he gives confirming revelation to those who serve under the leadership of his prophets. If we have a firm conviction of those four things, everything else will fall into place. So maybe we can make those things a priority in our seeking to take those things to the Lord and have him confirm to us. That Jesus Christ does indeed lead his church through his prophet, and that Russell M. Nelson is his prophet today, and that what he says is from the Lord himself. That is the counsel that the Lord would have us receive. Even if we have a firm testimony of those points of doctrine, we may still have questions from time to time. But with a solid foundation of faith, we will know where to turn for confirmation that the prophet does indeed speak for the Lord. And with that knowledge, it will be easier to follow him. And as we follow, we will stay spiritually safe, no matter what happens, no matter what happens. John, by the way, said in his book, When It Doesn't Make Sense, a fabulous little book, I highly recommend it. He said, my questions can't erase my covenants. I love that. My questions can't erase my covenants. At baptism in the temple, we as covenant women have made covenants to always remember the Savior and to follow him. And if the prophet speaks for him, are we willing to follow the prophet even when we do not understand all things? Even when we have to step out in faith, believing again that the Lord knows more than we do? As covenant women, where will we stand? I invite you to stand with me, armed with the light of Christ and the safety of prophetic counsel. This is a safe place to believe and follow. Starting today, at the end of every episode, I'm going to leave you with a challenge, what I call the Shine Challenge, that will help you take the concepts that I teach in that episode and put them into practice in your life. So today's Shine Challenge is... I want you to go back and reread all of President Nelson's talks and public statements, official statements from the church from the last year. What has he said? What is his counsel? Write down what that counsel is, what he's asked us to do, and write down the warnings. What has he asked us to look out for? The counsel, what should we do, and the warnings, what should we look out for? If we are going to follow the prophet, we have to know what he says. So let's learn what he has said. If you're, if you're ambitious, go back farther than a year, but at least the last year, the counsel and the warnings. All right, my friends, thank you for joining me today. I can't wait to see you back here in episode three. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard, that's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepherd.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.